0: And then all of a sudden you get a call from the defensive coordinator of the Rams and Raheem says, "Hey man, we got some injuries, we're depleted. What do you think about take a break from, you know, put that on the back burner, come win a Super Bowl." You're 100% right. That's and I said, bonkers. I said, "That's Are you Tunes. Are you kidding me? Like
1: <laughs> are, am I the best option you guys got because I've been" Raheem, i haven't done anything in two years i mean i stay in shape because that's what we do right it becomes a part
0: of your life but i'm not i'm not are you kidding me what's up everybody welcome back to another episode here on youth inc brought to you by audiorama and as always brought to you by our presenting sponsor invisalign a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, we got March madness, the final four. We all watched that on Saturday night. That was just an absolutely ridiculous game. We'll touch on that here in a second. Um, we had WrestleMania on Sunday night that took the world by storm. Our boy McAfee was like a damn flying dragon jumping off the ropes. It was a, it was wild watching him play that. So a lot going on uh, here to start the show. We are, we are in for a special treat. When I, one of my producers, Tasha she's going to join us today. and She's going to enter into the conversation so you're not just always stuck listening to my voice talking into the ether. So for the first time making her big Youth Inc. debut, I know she's probably fired up. Tasha, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm glad that, you know, people don't always have to hear your voice for the ether. Me too. That's great.
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree.
2: You know, um, we're doing things a little bit different because I wanted to tee you up with some things, Greg. And first, I heard you had a really, really great weekend. Did you not?
0: I didn't, you know, it's funny. I I feel like we need to start a tradition where on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, like everyone needs to, you know, vent and and get maybe their, their struggles, or maybe they want to share like the best youth sports experience they had that weekend. They took their son or daughter to some tournament or they watched their kid score their first goal or hit their first home run. But then there's also like those brutal weekends where it seems like nothing goes right. Your kid's team struggle. Maybe your kids struggle and you know, maybe there's an issue at the field. Like, I feel like there's like this wide range of weekend experiences and every parent goes to bed on Sunday night, like more exhausted than they were on Friday afternoon because weekends in the spring, at least in my house, like are not really weekends. We wake up at 6 a.m. We drive all over the state of North Carolina and play multiple games. And then we come home exhausted and go back to school on Monday. So we might start that new tradition, Tasha. But yeah, my weekend, not great. I'm not a great loser. Ah. Um, uh. I'm just—I'm not a great loser, and the kids' teams lost a lot of games. I'm going to be honest. My daughter did win a soccer game, so that was great. She got clobbered on Saturday, and then on Sunday, they bounced back and won one nothing, and and she was hmm. fired up for that. But what was baseball, what was
2: what was the record this weekend in the household? The
0: Olson record this weekend was one and four.
2: Okay. Terrible. Okay. No. Not great.
0: Not great. Not great. And who, uh,
2: who had a worse weekend? Your family or Coach K? You know.
0: Oof. I'm not sure. Coach K's weekend was tough. It
2: was great. It was did I, you did you watch that game with your kids?
0: We, we the first game the kids were allowed to stay up and watch the the second game just started too late so they they didn't see the Duke UNC game which was all so we actually went to a charity event Saturday night my wife and I we went to the big Children's Hospital here at Levine Children's in Charlotte um that were that were really involved with they had a big charity event black tie actually on the field that Panther at the Panthers. Stadium Bank of America Stadium, which was a really cool venue. But then the entire second half of the event, everyone just sat out in like the cocktail area and just was like yelling at the TV because half the people went to Duke and half the people went Ooh. to UNC, uh, you know, obviously ugh. here in Charlotte. It's a big deal. So that was fun. Um, but watching Coach, cocktail party, <laughs> it was a hell of a I'm, so we left early because I wanted to watch the rest at home. But uh, I'm sure after a few drinks and a few beers and some Alma mater rivalry. I'm sure it got, uh, I'm sure it could have got, and guess who the, guess who the DJ was? Who was the so DJ? So in the midst of this game happening on Bank of America, in Bank of America Stadium for the Panthers field, Shaq. Shaq oh, was the DJ wait, for the after party. What? Yeah, like Shaq, like the only Shaq. That's well, well, <laughs> amazing. That's so we random. Hired him. We hired him. He was the, you know, the post event entertainment and he had what like What was a,
2: his opening song?
0: No, he's like a DJ. Like, he's like mixing a DJ. It was like you were in a nightclub. Wait,
2: but you have to, like, pick a song to open up the night. Like, did he? Was I didn't it just catch a the
0: opening act. We were still in the reception finishing right, up there. Fine. But uh, All
2: right, fine. Yeah, he, he was, like, mixing and
0: spinning does. and, like, turntables, microphone. It was like you were in, like, a club in Vegas. And, like, uh, instead of Avicii, you know, like, running the turntables, <laughs> you had Shaq. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that no, was my Saturday night. night. That was a wow. good night. And then, uh, so... But hey, it's a new day. Monday starts the next week and uh, got a big weekend of sports. Both my boys and my daughter, all three play this weekend. So hopefully our record's a little better.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the finals happened this week too, but the UNC Duke game was a pretty high pressure game for those kids. Like probably one of the most high pressured situations that they faced, I think thus far probably in their life. But um, yeah, even our guest this week, you know, he's just played in a Super Bowl. You played in a Super Bowl. How do you deal with that pressure?
0: I always love the big games. If you spoke to a sports psychologist, you would try to eliminate all that from your mind. Don't think about Coach K's legacy. Don't think about this is how Coach K's career is done. Don't think about Duke, the Duke rivalry, in North Carolina. Like you have to eliminate all that. And, you know, it's the, it's the old coaching cliche. You know, every game is just one game. We approach every game the same way, which is what you want, but we're still human beings, right? There's still, you're not, you're not naive. You're not blind to the ramifications of what's going on. So I always enjoyed the big games. You know, I always felt like that was the best time to play your best. That was your best time to come out and, and show people what you could do and, you know, help your team, you know, get over that hump. Like I always embrace that. You know, you, you talk about the super bowl, you know, I, I played okay. It was not one of my better games that year. Like production wise, you know, I still can think back to a couple plays that, you know, man, if I would have done this, maybe, you know, that it was just, it was a bad game, but I don't think it was necessarily the pressure as much as we peaked in the NFC championship, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks earlier, which at the time was the biggest game of our lives, man, we rolled, We we rolled at home against Arizona and, you know, they were one of the top teams in the league and it wasn't even competitive. We won like 40 something to 17. And then two weeks later, we just laid a complete egg. And, you know, the nice thing about Duke and North Carolina is neither team played poorly. Neither team's walking off that court saying, man, we blew it. It came down to one shot. It came down to two missed free throws, right? That, and that's, that's why basketball is so cool. Because it usually, if the game is right, it comes down to just that one little difference. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what we saw Saturday night.
2: Did you, did you find more pressure when you were playing or when you're coaching? Oh, coaching. Really?
0: Oh, people think I'm crazy. They're like, you've been like all this stuff. Why are you? So I'm like, the difference is, especially when you talk about the world of youth sports, being a coach, when, when you're coaching young kids, every failure or every mistake or every setback, at least in my approach, I like it, I put all that burden on myself. Like if they don't find mm-hmm. success, it's because I didn't prepare them well enough. If they're, if they're struggling for a prolonged period of time, I'm not doing a great job as their coach to help get them through it. Whether it's to push them and motivate them, whether it's to put my arm around them, like every situation calls for a different approach. I just internalize all of that because these kids are so young. And, and I feel like sometimes they look at you like, come on, man, help me, right? Help me, dad, help me coach. And sometimes you can, and sometimes there is something you can do. You can you know make a different strategy, change the plan. But oftentimes, all you can do is just stand there and say, hey, man, you got to get yourself out of it. You got to, you got to find a way to battle yourself out of this. There's, I can't come out there and play for you.
2: That's the worst you, feeling, right? It's when terrible. You're like, I can't and, do anything.
0: <laughs> I can't do anything. And that's why when right. I was a player, like, even if I wasn't playing well, or my team was struggling, like, all right, this next possession, I have a direct involvement into the outcome of changing the land, you know, flipping this mm-hmm. game on its head and change and helping change the outcome as a coach. You do. But at the end of the day, you're counting on, in my case, young kids to right. do what we work on, to do what we talk about, to do what they're coached to do, to do what they're capable of doing. But sometimes it just doesn't go that way. And, you know, it just rips your guts out because you feel like they're your responsibility. And um, God, it's hard. It, it, I, I have more, str- I go to bed at night on these, of these youth weekends of coaching youth sports and I'm exhausted. It's, and if you care, man, it's, It's hard. You want to see exhausted
2: from the games or from Shaq being a DJ. We're not Shaq
0: DJing is also exhausting. (laughs) He is fired up. He's high energy. That guy, he's a stud, man. He's, he's great. He was a blast.
2: But you as a player liked high stake pressure games, which a lot of people don't, they, they crack under pressure, right? So if you're a coach and your kids or the teams you're coaching are entering into these high pressured games, how do you coach that for them? How do you help them deal with pressure?
0: An approach that I like to take with some of my teams that I always try to say is, you know, our practices are going to be more high stakes and our practices are going to be more intense than anything you find in the game. Where I think teams go wrong is where everything in practice is good. Everything in practice is controlled. Everything's easy. Everything's calm. And then all of a sudden you get to a a big game that weekend or basketball, soccer, you know, it's the sixth inning of a baseball game and you're trying to close it out and everyone's screaming and maybe the other fans are yelling at the refs and your parents are yelling at the umpires and people are losing their minds. Like, can you operate in chaos, right? Like, can you operate when stakes get high? Well, we have to practice that. You can't expect a kid all of a sudden, oh, hey, this is a game. It's going to get intense. Be ready. No, we, we have a saying on our teams. Like your brain doesn't know the difference between what's important and what's not important. It doesn't know the difference between the ball you throw in practice on Wednesday or the sixth inning when you have to make the best throw of your life to throw a kid out of first. It doesn't know the difference. So we might as well do it always like a game, and we might as well do it always the right way. So then you don't know any different. Your brain only knows one way. So it's the same way when you talk about pressure and chaos and a lot of high stakes. Like We need to practice that way. The hardest ground ball you take all week should be in practice. The hardest pitch you face in BP should be in practice. The most intense environment and the most difficult plays and the most challenging situations should be in practice. And then therefore, you might fail a thousand times all week, but let's fail during the week in our prep and we have a better chance of getting it right when it matters, right? There's no one there watching practice. We can do it a thousand times until we get it right. You might get one shot in the game. You might spend the, especially in baseball season, you might get one ball hit to you in six innings, but you got to make it. And if you're going to make it once in the game, you got to make it a thousand times that we can practice with a harder ball, a deeper in the hole, a harder play, a farther throw or else we're cheating the kids. And I believe that you can train people and kids to operate under stressful environments if you do it that way. So today on the show, we have a really good buddy of mine. Uh, we go way back. Coming out of college together, training for the combine. Our careers overlapped almost in their entirety. Uh, retired NFL safety, Super Bowl champion just this past season with the Los Angeles Rams, Eric Weddle. Um, as always, thank you so much to our presenting sponsor, Invisalign. Invisalign is the number one doctor trusted brand, having transformed 12 million smiles over the past 25 years. Invisalign continues to give you the opportunity to make a trusted decision that can build confidence for your child. For the rest of their lives. So find your trusted provider at Invisalign.com or talk to your doctor. So now please enjoy this episode of You Think with 14-year NFL veteran, three-time Pro Bowler, and soon-to-be head football coach at Rancho Bernardo High School in San Diego, Super Bowl champion Eric Weddle. Well, we're back for another episode here on You Think, and, and our next guest is a guy that I've known. We met each other in 2007. We we're down in Miami, getting ready for the draft. Uh, we, we meet each other at Bombrito sports performance down in Davie, Florida. And there's this little white kid running around. He tells, me he, plays, <laughs> he tells me he plays DB. I just left Miami. I was like, I don't know if you play DB. Um, we're, we're training. He says he's from Utah, just finished up his 14th NFL season, super bowl champion and probably mm. most impressive, he is next year going to be the head football coach back in San Diego, where his, when his, where his son is going to be a ninth grader. Just won the Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams. Longtime friend of mine. Like I said, we've known each other since 2007. Super Bowl champ, Eric man, I appreciate you joining us, buddy.
1: No problem. No problem. My, my honor uh, to get on with you. It's always good to see your face when it's not on the TV screen now, uh, or competing against you when you're running that little blaze out on me on the nub side, completing it for a 12 yard gain, your favorite route. But man, it's, uh, what a, what a career, both of us and who would have thought right back 15 years ago, training together, competing against each other every day that we'd, uh, still be friends, still be family and healthy and had had long, long
0: careers, man. It's, uh, blessings and truly humbling to, to be here with you, man. Well, ditto to all that, buddy. And, uh, and I was joking before, but I, the one thing I always remember about you and, and, and all joking aside, when we met each other down at Pete's, you know, training together for the combine, getting ready to go to pro days and combine, you know, obviously I was familiar with your career out in Utah and, and obviously, you know, consensus, all American and two-time player of the year. I mean, you, you were obviously a big time guy coming out of college and the first thing that stuck out to me was like, I was not used to being around guys who had more energy than me, right. Who it'd be six o'clock in the morning and we'd be pounding down Pete's, you know, breakfast shakes and foam, and <laughs> foam rolling and kind of everybody, yeah. everybody be kind of half-assed in the foam roll and be talking and guys would be sleepy. And then you would walk in and just light the room up your energy, your optimism, you couldn't wait. You know, we always joked, uh, Weddle would always have this saying, he would tell, Hey Pete, what's next? Huh? And like, we would always mess around because Pete, Weddle always wanted to know what was next. And, and that was always something that kind of stuck with me. And it was no wonder that you had the career that you had because like your energy, your optimism, just, you always wanted to be pushed. You always wanted more. And whether it was after a workout, you wanted to see how long you could sit in the ice bath or obviously, just winning the Super Bowl a couple couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, with the torn pec and just battling your way through it, 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 was, it was not a surprise to me to see the success that you had through your entire 14 year career, man. It, it was just it was awesome to watch.
1: I appreciate that, man. It was it was very early on. I mean, you have to remind guys uh, that what we what we were able to do was a dream come true, and and I didn't grow up. Dreaming of playing in the NFL, I, I, I thought those guys were mythical beings that you watched <laughs> on TV. That I had no shot, no chance of, of ever doing something like that. And then, and then the reality comes that I'm training for the combine to maybe have a chance, maybe to get drafted. Like, still until my name was called, like I never thought it was going to be. Uh, I was going to be out there, and it was just a reminder that you got to give everything you got every day to to make this dream a reality. Right. And to get the most out of it. And, you know, uh, it started early on and, and that's what carried me through my entire career of just being happy and being grateful to be here in this moment and trying to make the most of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. And, and obviously we're going to cover, you know, of course the latest development, you're going to go into high school coaching, which is so relevant to this conversation here on you things yeah. where we are trying to explore, we're trying to have conversations with people who offer, really unique insight both into their youth sports experience, you know what what their path, how their parents handled them, how they handled their own careers, obviously with you going into a long professional career after college and now the best practices now of you becoming a coach. But before we get into all of that, before we get into Utah and training for the combine together and whatnot. I want to go back to where, you know, you're born out in California, multi sports stars, so many families today. And I see it now raising my kids. I know you have four of your own and I'm sure you, you have some perspective on, on that. Everyone wants to pick a sport for their kid. And it seems like that choice is becoming earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, I have families and friends that we, that you know, we play sports with, with our kids that, you know, they only let their kid play one sport and it's year round or it's multi-seasonal and in the off season, instead of playing basketball in the winter or, you know, whatever the case may be, they're just continuing to do more skill development around baseball or girls soccer, you know, whatever it is. So, Take us back to your childhood. I know you were a three sports star in, in high school before you went off to play ball at Utah, but you know, growing up, like did your family encourage you guys to play multiple sports? Was it something that you just always had a passion for? Like, just give us a little background on your approach in those early days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so great question. Uh, I grew up playing football, basketball and baseball. I played all three up until my senior year of high school. And, uh, a big thing for me. I mean, travel ball, AAU, all the all the development uh, for individual sports wasn't really that strong when we were coming through uh, outside of basketball. I mean, you know, they didn't have uh, it. It just wasn't an emphasis. And for myself, I mean, I just loved playing all three sports, and I loved moving on to the next one when, once the season was done and working my way into it. The transition getting up to speed and then competing and and trying to dominate at it. And, uh, my parents were very supportive of that. As long as my grades were good and uh, I took care of everything that, that, uh, was required in school. If I wasn't, then, you know, sports were the first thing that were to go. And, uh, that's how we hold my, our kids to, to be accountable to, you know, sports is a privilege. It's not a right. And, they have to do their things in school. They have to do their chores. They got to do everything uh, to be able to go have fun and go compete and do the things that they love to do. And uh, so now transitioning and seeing it in youth sports, how it's so uh, one dimensional and they're so and it. And I think it's the pressure, the peer, the pressure of of these travel ball coaches that are getting into these parents heads of, that you're not, or you shouldn't allow your kid to do multi-sport and, and that they'll be behind and they'll, they'll suffer. It's like, I think it's the complete opposite. And uh, I have all our kids uh, do multiple sports. My son plays football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, My daughter plays volleyball and basketball and she rotates those. Uh, My youngest plays soccer, uh, gymnastics, horseback riding anything and everything. And my third, she's in, uh, it's called acro and it's in between gymnastics and cheerleading. And it's, you know, it's a team of three and, you know, she focuses on that because it's such a unique sport and it, and the time that it, that it takes at it. And their season is only, you know, they compete for a minute and 30 seconds, uh, four times a, a year. So, uh, the amount of hours and practice that goes into it, she doesn't really have time to do anything else and she loves it. So, uh we're gonna she's ten and uh but we tried her all in all the other sports and and changed it up, but she just gravitated towards that so it's definitely changing uh the landscape has changed since we were growing up, and uh being in the position I am soon to be next january as a head coach it's it's definitely gonna give me an opportunity to try to give uh my thoughts. On different sports, and giving these kids a rest, because I feel strongly about it
0: yeah, and 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 I can't wait to dive into that because I'm fascinated. My dad was a high school was my high school football coach for forty years. so I, I mean, I grew up oh around there's there's nothing better than high school football, so I, we're going to talk yeah. about that here in a little bit. But you know you talked about the landscape. You described the experience of your children, and it's very similar to mine. I mean, I, my daughter plays soccer. my my older son plays multiple sports. My younger son t j pretty much plays baseball, he's got, you know, some limitations, everything he went through with his heart transplant and whatnot. So some Mm -hmm. sports are kind of off limits. So again, to your point, each kid has kind of their own unique perspective. We didn't say, all right, your brother did it this way. So you have to do it this way. You know, they all have Mm -hmm. different needs and different and different experiences. And a lot of the feedback we've gotten from families and and our viewers is like how important it is to parent each child and their sports experience unique to that child. So to hear you touch on that is super relevant. When you say it's very different in what regard? So, so when Eric Weddle's grown up, you're in California, you're a three sports bar growing up through high school, like prior to playing for your high school teams, what did your seasonal sport? Were you playing rec? Were you playing on travel teams? Were you playing summer baseball and, and traveling over California? Like what yeah. did the experience look like for you? Like, where did you hone your craft? Where did you develop your skills? Like on what fields who was coaching you at mm-hmm. what level?
1: So I just played the city, city leagues, right? Pop Warner for the city that the Ranch Cucamonga Pop Warner and then Little League that was, that was all the way up. And then once seventh and eighth grade came, then we played Pony. Yep. And and you did that until high school. And then, uh, basketball was just city ball. Like I honestly, I don't know if it, if I wasn't that good enough at that age, but travel (laughs) ball and AAU just, uh, well, I, honestly, I never even heard of it. Quite honestly, yeah, uh, you know, and, and probably basketball. You know, I was really good, but you know, I was uh, you know a short little white guy, so yeah. uh, not much. You know, I just love <laughs> love the game, and I still love it to this day. But you know, really, the reality was I was I like, going to go to college to play basketball? I highly doubt it. Uh, And baseball, I mean, it, it was like you work your way up and you play high school ball, and that's that's what you did. And that's what you did in all the sports. Uh, So it's just uh, the change. that that's what it was for me. And that's what I know. Uh, But on the flip side, you know, my, my wife, she, she played soccer and she got a a soccer scholarship out of high school. She went to Utah state on a soccer scholarship and we're going through it with our kids. Now, Uh, what is too much, right? My oldest is playing volleyball and two different travel basketball teams. And the reason is, is, is she wants to get better and better competition of one travel ball team. So we're trying to navigate that. And then now she's going into high school next year. And my wife has to, to continue to remind me that she did not in soccer season, but when it was cross country and track, she was still doing club soccer. And I, I, I always forget about that. And, uh, I guess outside of football, the kids tend to do club sports when it's not in season of high school. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm like, I don't, I, compartmentalizing it all is still hard for me. Cause I'm like, why, why can't she just take a break? You know, like, why, why does she have to do two sports at one time? And, uh, she's, you know, she just says, well, that's what I did and this and that. And so it's, Every, every athlete, like you said, every kid is unique. Every kid is different and what their needs are. But I think the biggest thing is the support and the support has to be there and the, and the push and the, you know, like you're the next big thing and the pressure and the, you have to do this and this and this every single day. Like these kids are teenagers. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We don't, we don't need to put more stress and more pressure on them. When something that may be less than a percent that's going to happen, like the reality is, is for a lot of these kids, 99.9% of them aren't going to make it. So we don't want to crush their dreams, but we also need to be understanding and the reality is, is let's push them. But the reality is, is is let's prepare them for the real world, not a superstar in in a sport.
0: It, uh, so it, hearing your and your wife's conversation, it, it reminds me of really the inspiration behind why we started the show. I mean, th- those conversations are happening at my home with our children. Mm-hmm. My older son's just diving into the whole competitive travel ball. We're going to, you know, we live in North Carolina already this season. We've been to Florida. We've been to Texas. Oh my We're going gosh. back. To, I mean, it's, it's, re- and mind you, it's ten, it's 10 year old baseball.
1: Oh, and, and, and our
0: rule in our house and, and, a, and a common theme um, that we've had and we spoke with Michael Gervais, who's a world-renowned sports psychologist. He was our first, you know, our first interview of our first episode a few weeks back, and then, you know, all of our other guests. The one common theme, and, and you just said it, is all of this is fine as long as it's child driven. Where the problems we see personally and in, in our circle, and then from speaking to other people like yourself, it seems very similar, is when the child is being pushed to enter into all these different teams and different competitive levels. Versus the child is leading the family, and this is where they want to go, and now the family's there in a support structure to continue to help them navigate it and help them you know make the best decisions and whatnot. If it's not that way, typically that's where the disaster happens, right That's where the conflict happens, that's where the burnout happens. So to hear that you guys are having those same discussions, I just think it's so it's so relevant because that is what we want these conversations to kind of unveil. We want people, our listeners and families and coaches to say. These are problems that are not unique to ourselves. These are problems and conversations that are, be ha- that are being had by millions of families at dinner tables all across the country. So I guess my question to you is, like, where do you guys as parents draw the line between this is how we did it? We, we talked to Sam Mewis, who, Mewis, who's on the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. She was um, one of our guests, her and her father. And they said that exact thing. They said in, in, in girls' soccer growing up, we did play for our high school, but the high school always kind of took a back seat to travel, you know, club teams, any sort of national mm-hmm. elite camp they were invited to her and her sister Christie. And then you and I sit here and we say, what do you mean? Like there was only high school football. It was high school football. You did summer workouts. You did a fall season. It was usually done shortly after Thanksgiving and then basketball started and you never saw football again until maybe the spring you'd go work out a little bit. And, and that was it, you know? And so it's so foreign to us. So I guess my question is like when you and your wife sit there and have these conversations and you try to navigate girls, soccer versus volleyball versus football versus you know baseball, like where do you guys as parents say, okay, this is going to be child led, but at some point we're going to come in and say, okay, this enough is enough. We're only going to do this many sports a season. We're only going to take it this far. Like what is that balance in your house?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great question. Uh, I think it's 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 different from each kid. So, so Brooklyn, who's our oldest, she's going into high school next year. Uh, after this season, she, she's getting ready to to continue. You know, she's only doing one travel basketball, so she's she's getting ready to one because it it was just every night. Uh, there's double sports and hauling them around across the town. Like there are days where I pick up. Brooklyn at three thirty, I take her straight to volleyball three forty five. I don't get home because I have to take her to basketball and then another basketball practice. I don't get home till eight or eight thirty because these practices are twenty twenty five minutes apart from each other. And I'm just it's no point of going home and then going back when I have thirty minutes at home. Uh so it's just it's just too much in, in that sense. Uh you know, and it it's it's just I think the biggest, like you said, for my, for our third silver, she does acro twelve hours a week, and that's a lot of hours for a ten year old. And we've gone back and forth. Is it too much? They wanted to to pull her up at five years old doing gymnastics. They, they wanted to take her up, and we're like, no chance, no way. Like she's not even a kid yet. Like let's let's let her just do two hours a week. Uh, but once she got into acro two years ago. Uh, there hasn't been one day where she's not wanted to go or she was uh, rather do something else. And when your kid is that passionate about whatever they're doing, you have to support them, right? You have to make sure they get there early. They get there on time. You, you don't want to miss anything because they are that passionate about it. Now, if she wasn't or if there was one day or two days where uh, she said, I don't really want to go, I'm not feeling it, then that tells me that she's not all in. And let's maybe let's taper it back. Let's figure out a different avenue. Maybe let's take a break. Uh, But she hasn't gotten that point yet. And uh, we're just supporting her and and making sure that everything's right for her. Now, for, uh, for my son, I think whatever sport they're doing and they're changing off to like, I'm very adamant about my son taking breaks because that's what I did right now. Girls sports is a little bit different. Because my my wife's educating me on it and and what she had to go through and what what the landscape is, but for my son, it's it's we're not we don't do two sports at a time. We did we did flag and baseball one season about three years ago, four years ago, before he started tackle. So this must have been when he was eight, and it, it was just too much. It, it was just too much, and and it was he just wasn't happy. So I'm like, all right, we're always gonna just go season to season with him. And the biggest issue that we've gotten is when the coaches aren't patient with him because they just, they just, they just automatically expect that he's going to be at par with everybody else. When he's, when he gets to the team, whether it's basketball or going from basketball to baseball. And he's usually a couple weeks behind these kids because he hasn't picked up a baseball and a baseball bat, or he hasn't picked up a basketball because he's been playing football and they, and they take it out on him Like, like it's, you're the problem or you're, you're negatively looked at because you play multiple sports compared to these kids that only play one sport. And I've had to have conversations with these, these coaches that that's not okay. You can't treat kids like this just because they like to do other sports and the more patience and more understanding that these coaches are that, Hey, if you just help them and bring them along for a couple of weeks they'll end up being as good or better than everybody else. So just just give them some time and work with them a little bit instead of taking the approach that they're the bad kid because they came a couple weeks late. Like that's just not the right approach. And so I've had to, I've had to deal with that a little bit on that end, but it's it's not easy. I'm not I, I'm not I'm being honest on that end like I get it. To I, navigate into do try to do what's best for your your children, but also supporting them and giving them the most opportunities. It's it's a fine line, and, and you're you're constantly learning and and figuring it out.
0: Yeah, it, it's so true, and I and I think it leads to a, to another whole you know I don't want to say issue, but just a whole another conversation for families and coaches to have, similar to what you're just laying out there. Is there is a little bit of pressure then, where even if you don't want your child to play year round sports or competitive The, the, the struggle that we see here locally is there's really two options. You play seasonal sports and it's some sort of rec association or some sort of church league where it's not great. And it's great for some kids, but if you have a child who wants to be more competitive and wants to play against better competition and really challenge themselves, that's not the answer. But then to your point, if you do go to try to go one to a travel basketball or a travel girl, soccer, or a, a competitive baseball team, if you're not willing to do it twelve months a year, they either don't want you, or you can't keep up with those kids just because they're doing it year round. When you're off playing football in the fall, they're playing twenty five baseball games. Or if you're playing summer, you know summer baseball, maybe the football teams already started summer conditioning. So what happens is, and and I find it happening to a lot of our families, and, and we even my wife and I even feel the pressure in this regard is you there's like a keeping up with the Joneses aspect to it where if we don't want to do it. But if you don't, you get left behind, right? And that's the fear is none of you, none of us want your child to not have the best situation in their, in what's in their best interest. But you're in this dance where it's like, this is how we want to approach it. But if nobody else in town approaches it that way, we're like on this Island where there is no solution. <laughs> there is no competitive seasonal sports. It's seasonal rec level or it's year round travel competitive. There's no in between, at least we haven't found a great solution here in any sport locally. And and to hear you kind of lay out a very similar, you know, kind of similar internal dialogue is, I think is super interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And, and I think that's okay. I, honestly, like, I think it's okay that if your kid just plays rec league and continues to move around and change up sports and gets into high school. I mean, that that's, that's okay. And, and, and on the flip side, you know, we've been fortunate enough that I've had, you know, his, he plays on a uh, travel ball basketball team right now. And the coach is on the other side of the spectrum where he's knows the situation that Gage is in. He knows that Gage plays football and then he'll probably won't come to the team till December and he works him in and he plays till about March and then he'll moves on to baseball and he's okay with that. And he likes that because he loves the fact that gauge is brings a lot to the squad. He's competitive. He works hard. He's a leader. Like those are the things you want on a, on your team. And uh, but that doesn't work for everybody. And not a lot of coaches are like that. You know they're very stubborn of what they what they think and how they run their programs and this and that and rightfully so. Like I'm not here to to yep. say what's right and what's wrong, but I just know that in the long run, doing multiple sports is great and beneficial for the mind and the body for your kids. How they learn to be a teammate in different sports, their body movements in multiple sports compared to just the same movements of the same sport. I fully believe. That moving your body and doing different sports and learning to be a different teammate in those sports, right? Being a teammate in basketball is completely different than being a teammate in football, right? There's one guy or two guys that can dominate on the basketball court. And the other guys are just role players. Football field. You need all 11, right? You need all 22. You need all 45, whatever that number is, right? It's, it's a completely different, uh, aspect of that team and how you are as a teammate and how you work and the movements compared to those two. And then you move on to baseball, which is the same thing. So, uh, it's, I I don't know. I, I know. I mean, I've had, I had a two conversation, which is ironic that we're doing this, this podcast about this issue that two parents that I, that I saw at the grocery store brought up their kids. And when they got, by the time they got to high school, uh, they were burnt out because they were they started at age six of soccer, and they started at age eight with baseball and did nothing else. And by the time they got to high school, they hated the sport and and didn't want to play again and and didn't. And that's just unfortunate because you never want an extracurricular activity uh, be so overbearing that you never want to do it again when every sport is great. I mean, and doing anything outside, of your house and getting away from the TV and these video games and, you know, phones. I mean, yeah, I would want my kids to do anything (laughs) other than that. No, you know, so it's so true. But That's the world we're living in and that's how they communicate. That's how, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard to, as a parent, not just sports, but just life and trying to educate them and, and, and help them navigate all these crazy things that are going on. Uh, But it's just unfortunate you hear those stories because it it definitely could have been handled different, uh, whether it's from the parents, whether it's from the coaches of these travel balls teams, uh, there's, there's different levels and factors of, of, of this issue for sure.
0: It's so true. I, I, every time I have these conversations with anyone, whether it's, you know, an episode on our show or just out to dinner with friends or whatever, it feels like I always say it's like everyone's living the same life. Like we're, all, we're all dealing with the same stuff. We live in different parts of the yeah. country, but everything's the exact same. We're all having the same conflicts. We're all having the same decision-making processes. It's, it's really fascinating how, how similar and how many parallels there are. Before, before we transition, and you, you kind of touched on you know, the coaching philosophies of some of your kids' coaches, and obviously, I want to dive a little bit now into, as you enter this world next year, taking over for your high school. But before we get into that, there's another level of this specialization, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily unique to football. But I see it a lot here locally with football where, you know, you you, would, you say to a kid who's playing on a 12 year old seven on seven flag football team, for instance, let alone tackle, be like, what position do you play? I play wide receiver. I said, Oh, what about on defense? No, nah, I just play wide receiver. <laughs> or you say, Oh, what do you, you, know, what do you play? I play linebacker. I was like, Oh, awesome. What about on offense? No, nah, I just play linebacker. So and then you go to the tackle, you know, you go to the big programs here in town. There's a lot of really big public schools here in Charlotte that are very good. And, and oh, yeah. we go watch some of their games. My younger brother is an offensive coordinator, at one of the, the big public high schools here. And they're just loaded with kids. And when you, even if you go to their game, which I understand, because they got, you know, a dozen or more division one power five kids a year. So they got a little different talent pool. But even at mm-hmm. some of the small schools, you go there and now there's specialization within specialization. Right. You even see with some young pitchers where uh, I'm uh, young baseball players. I'm just a pitcher. I'm like, you're 12. What do you mean? You're a pitcher? <laughs> yeah. when you're not pitching, why aren't you standing in center field? Or why aren't you the first baseman? So I guess my question is when you look back, you know, your career at Utah, obviously you were drafted and played defensive back in the NFL, but you know, you're playing offense, you're on special teams, you're playing 90 snaps a game. You're really never coming off the field. You're scoring touchdowns. You're running with the ball. They're throwing your, versatility within the world of football, I imagine is connected to your versatility outside of the world of football, as we've just touched that pretty in detail. What are your thoughts on now you're entering into high school coaching? So like, what are your thoughts on how do we combat and what is the message to families where not only do we not recommend just picking one sport at a young age, even within that sport? play multiple positions, build different skill sets, build different views of the game. Like you're about to enter this world and dive head first. Like speak a little bit to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, as you know, in the NFL, it's, it's, it's more you can do the more valuable you are. Uh, and I, I just, uh, I just know that from a, from, from how I I played, From from early on to high school to college to even the NFL, I was more uh, wanted because the positions that I could play, right? Whether whether it was high school to college, right? I played running back, quarterback, receiver, safety, corner, basically linebacker as well, depending on blitzing. And those are the things that stood out from Coach Whittingham, who's the head coach who recruited me, who was the defense coordinator at the time, because. I could do multiple things, right? I wasn't just pegged as a linebacker, I wasn't just pegged as a safety. I wasn't just pegged as a quarterback, running back or receiver. I could do it all. Uh and that gives coaches uh more opportunity to find a role for you. And uh you know, when when that translated to the NFL, playing all the positions that I could, but the bottom line is is for me as a coach and and I'll stress this to the parents and to to the other coaches on campus and even club teams around the area that I want my kids to play every sport. I want them to take a break from football. I want them to go play basketball, baseball, swimming, track and field, curl, whatever they want to do, right? Because the amount of stress and uh, time and effort that it takes for you to play a, a sport, let alone football, right? Uh, I want you to get away. Because I want you to enjoy it. I want your energy and I want your your passion and, and the want to factor to be there, right? Because it's not easy. Football isn't for everyone, right? And you could say the same about basketball and baseball, but be able to get away and to recharge the batteries, it's no different as a parent, right? Like we we, we played in the Super Bowl. I was gone for six weeks, living in a hotel room. So I was gone from the family, played the Super Bowl. I ruptured my pec. Two days later, I had surgery. I'm um, six weeks after that, four weeks, whatever. We're at and, and Chanel and I finally went away for the weekend to just one, celebrate, but two, to recharge and refocus and re intertwine everything that's been going on to just refocus and say, hey, OK, we need to spend some time together. But also, hey, let's let's get back to the routine. Let's let's do this and that. And it's it's monumental mentally, everything. And it's no different for a kid in sports right? You need to get away. You need to, you need to, uh, just be a kid again. Right. And, uh, for me, I welcome and love that, uh, that kids move on to other sports and learn how to be a different teammate and learn different movements. And, uh, for us in my school, we're not going (laughs) to have a plethora (laughs) of, uh, division one uh, stars. So, uh, the more you can do, uh, the better off you'll be uh for me and we teach it right we have we have we'll have practices for offense on one day defense on the on the next day just because we'll probably have so many guys that cross over of course uh which which is that's normal life right like the, those powerhouse schools the modern days yeah. of the world the you know the every state has these elite schools that that's just not reality and uh and the more you can teach and coach and build these kids up to be the next leaders of your communities, the next leaders of this country to, to act the right way and and speak the right way and respect everyone that you come in contact with. That's what we're building these kids in high school. We're not building these kids for the NFL. You know, that's not the goal for myself. It's to to, to build these young young kids, young boys to men that you can count on that'll be great fathers, that'll be great husbands, that'll be great leaders in the community because that's what we need. Not not the next NFL superstar because the, 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 the percent of that happening is less than one. I mean, we can go through the numbers and I'm
0: sure you have them. It's, it's, it's very, very, very rare. Yeah, I, I said on one of the pods the other day, I was like, if the whole purpose of youth and amateur sports was just to develop people to make a career professionally, then we should just disband it. Yes. Because we're not, it's not worth the time and the aggravation. It's for everything other than the sport if the sport works out and you make a career, great, that that's a one in a million and we'll, we'll applaud you. But it's, it's all the things that you just touched on. And when I think back to my high school experience, twofold, my best memories. And and Sam Yunus said this, and she said, I loved playing basketball because it was a break for me when I was on the soccer Mm. field. It was pressure. There was expectations. When I stepped foot on the basketball court in high school, no one expected much of me. I wasn't the prize D one national basketball recruit. I was the prize D one national soccer recruit. And so when she said that, it brought me back to thinking about my high school experience. I had already signed to go off to college, had, you know, had a full scholarship and be like, why are you playing basketball? Why are you running track? What if you get hurt? And I was like, you know what? It's nice to step onto the basketball court and I don't have to, there is no expectations. If I score 10 points, or I scored 30 points, if I score zero points, if we lose, if we win, like we're going to go out and compete with your buddies and you're going to play high school basketball. It's the last time I'll ever play organized basketball again. Like I think back on those moments and it was such a pleasure. So to hear your perspective on that and and realize that that's how you're going to kind of coach your team. I, I think it's a great transition. So I, I think, you know, so we're, we're a few weeks back and you just win the Super Bowl, and you know, you rupture your bicep, but it's an unbelievable story. I can still see you sitting on the super bowl post game desk, you know, talking <laughs> with the crew on the field and celebrating, like I, I can still picture you doing it. And obviously knowing you, as long as I had, I was so pumped for you and whatnot. And then a couple weeks later, a buddy sends me the article of the, announcing that you're going to be the varsity football coach next year. You're going to be assistant this year. And then in 23, you're going to take over as the head coach and your, your son will be on the team and, and he'll be coming into high school. Like talk about that decision. Like, was this something you've had in the works for a long time? Is this something you always knew was in your blood? Like I, I just, I, Philip rivers did a very similar thing, albeit not off of a mm. super bowl, but nonetheless, he went right into coaching back in his hometown. Like talk to us about that approach. Like what about you in your bones led you to just say, all right, I just want a super bowl. I'm on top of the world. I'm going to go coach <laughs> high school football next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, uh, uh, you know, I got my degree in special education, mild and moderate disabilities. And the reason was, is my basketball coach in high school was a special ed teacher. And I was actually my mom a, was a special,
0: My mom was a special ed teacher for 30 years. Oh my gosh. Love Physi- phys ed, special ed. That's what my mom was. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Wow. But
1: yeah, No, no, no. That's great. I love that. Love to hear that. And. Uh, I was a teacher aide for him and seeing him teach kids with learning disabilities and me being intertwined with that, I was like, man, this would be this would be a great avenue uh, to be able to teach and coach high school football. Because in California at the time, you had to be a teacher on campus to be the head high school coach. So uh, I've always envisioned myself coaching high school sports or high school football. And uh that was the direction I wanted to go and now luckily uh, that that career path was was on hiatus for a few years and uh, and so I coached my son's 12u team uh last season so he's actually he's actually going into seventh grade and I'm gonna coach his 14u team this year and then also help with the staff before I take over. And I just got so much joy and, fulfillment with coaching these little 12 year olds that had never played. I had 35 kids and of the 35, 27 had never played tackle football before. And to see where we were August 1st, to see where we were December 3rd, winning the championship and going 11 and one uh, and seeing how much growth and the excitement and love that these, these boys garnered over the four months was truly Impressive and humbling. And I just felt like, gosh, when that season ended, I was like, I cannot wait for, for the next season. And uh, I'm actually really good buddies with the head coach at Rancho Bernardo High School right now and through a mutual friend. So we've known each other for the last six, eight years. And he mentioned it over 2020 about coaching high school football one day. And that ye- that year was was hard on everyone uh, especially the kids and, uh, but I didn't bring it up again. And then, uh, last December, we went out to dinner and, uh, he brought it up again and he finally laid out a plan. Like, Hey, like I'm, I'm ready to be done. What are your thoughts about taking over? Would you want to, is it something that, is it possible? And, uh, you know, when you build a program, to the direction and the way you want it. You don't want to just pass it off to to somebody that's not going to continue the values and the culture that that is what has been instilled there. So that's kind of how it started. And uh yeah, I mean, after that's the awesome. Super Bowl, I met with the principal and the in the assistant principal. I met with the AD. You know, quick story, Tuesday of the first round of playoffs, where Rams are getting ready to play Arizona. And I had met I had it basically interviewed with the athletic director, and when I got out, is when Raheem called me about coming
0: back. And so you're interviewing, the, so you're interviewing to potentially be a high school football coach, and then all of a sudden you get a call from the defensive coordinator of the Rams, and Raheem says, "Hey man, we got some injuries, we're depleted. What do you think about take a break from you know put that on the back burner, come win a Super Bowl?"
1: You're a hundred percent right, that's, and I said. Bonkers. I said, that's,
0: are you Looney Are Jews. you
1: kidding me? Like, are, am I the best option you guys got? Because <laughs> I've <been> Raheem, <laughs> Raheem, I haven't done anything in two years. I mean, I stay in shape because that's what we do. Right. It becomes a part of your life, but
0: I'm not, I'm not, are you kidding me? Like, the how guy did you, had, you how did you stay? Like, how did you, the thought when, so I had multiple people be like, Hey, Weddle came back. He took, you know, he took off more time than you. I was like, I don't know what Weddle's been doing, but he he probably did a whole of a lot of something different than me because it would take me a year to be able to go to a train. Like, what did you do? Now that you brought it up, like, what did you yeah. do that you, on a whim, went and joined a team and you didn't like stand on the sideline and clap for everybody? I mean, you were you no, were thrown in wasn't. and like played two days later. Like, what were you yeah. doing that your body was able to to hold up?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously it didn't hold up in the long haul and that's why you made it just <laughs> enough buddy you made yeah, it just yeah, enough yeah you're, right. you're 100% right honestly i mean I, I worked out every day like lifting but as you know we, we don't lift to to play football again we lift to make our bodies feel better and mentally uh be in a better place to be a dad to be a husband to to make sure everything's centered at home right that's why i work out to to take away some of the pain that we have every day Uh, because we're always in pain. You just, you just find ways to, to live with it. And, uh, and then the running and stuff, like I just played basketball. I have a full court basketball court at my house and we have five on five runs once a week, uh, for when we play for about two hours with, with a good group of guys. And I had just felt, I was just feeling good. Like I had lost about 10 pounds since my playing days was about to, I was around 182, 180 ish. And my knees were feeling good and I was moving on the basketball court. Well, you know, relative for a 37 right. year old. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, I talk about living with no regrets and I talk about, uh, living each day of the fullest. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I cannot wake up tomorrow. So not, why not give everything I got to make this the very best, best day possible. And I preach that to my kids. I preach that to my football team. And the bottom line that I kept coming back to is how could I look my team? How could I look my kids in the face if I don't take this chance and just see what happens? Right. Like who knows what could happen? Like it, it was basically a five day, uh, practice, see if my body could hold up and I'll suit up five days later, uh, for Arizona Monday night. And that was it. It wasn't, Hey man, this could be a Super Bowl run for a championship. Like I wasn't thinking like that. I had to make up for two years of not doing football stuff to make sure I was ready. And that's a wild. uh, It's just a wild. And and, and then
0: you win a Super Bowl. Like not only do you physically, it's a it's a wild. It's a wild story, but and the thought of doing it gives me anxiety. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but I want to get back to the coaching thing because one aspect of it before we go that really hits close to home. And, and it's a struggle of mine. And I say struggle because it's something that I love. It's something that I love to do. Like I coach a lot of my kids, teams, baseball, basketball, flag football, my oldest will play tackle football for the first time this year. Um, he he has it. only played flag up until this point. But, um, you know, as I think about like the struggles I have coaching my kids teams, like what, Pushed me as a player, and always motivated me. And nothing was good enough. Is a very hard way to parent, right? So like, there's this weird twist between like I expect if if we're gonna if you're gonna be on my basketball team. Now, mind you, these are fifth and sixth grade boys, right? They're not babies. And you know, if you're gonna be on my basketball team, like there's gonna be a certain expectation. And and the things that drove me the most nuts weren't who could shoot, who couldn't shoot. It was like following directions, doing what you're told, being a good teammate, attitude, energy, you know hustle, like all the the attributes to me, that is what youth sports is all about, aside from the skill development. But where I struggled is coaching my own kids. What I found was to like subconsciously make up for that. No one could ever accuse me of playing daddy ball. Hmm. I was always overly hard on my own kids so that no one in the stands could ever sit there and say, (laughs) oh man, look, he's coming down on my kid, but he won't do it to his. Like, yeah. I always say I said, if I came down on your kid, like I came down on mine, your kid would quit. And <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's how my dad, and that's how my dad always treated me and my brothers, is he's like, if I was ever going to error, I was going to error on you guys are going to have to prove it even more, And you guys <laughs> were going to be held to a higher standard. And we were always fine with that. Like we, we always and I internalize a lot of that to this day. So I guess my question to you is, like, what is your past you know approach when your coaching is 12 and 14 you? But now, in high school in a couple of years, it's a little more serious, right? I mean, high school football is, is a pretty competitive world in its own right nowadays. Like what is your approach to not only coaching, but now the fact that you're going to be a coach and a dad, like how do you find that balance? How do you wear both those hats at the same time?
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's ever changing. And I'm very, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely hard on my son one, because I only have one and what people don't understand is you can't, as a parent, you can't mess up uh, raising your son, right? If you mess up and he turns out to be not the way you envisioned, right? He doesn't become a good dad. A dead, he doesn't become a good father, a husband, they, and, and that comes back to you, right? And I take that very serious. And a lot of times my son and I butt heads and and I fully believe in the long run he'll appreciate how I parent him and how I love him and how I uh, how I try to teach him the ways to try to be a good, good man. When you, when you, when you become older and you get into the real world. And when I step across that field and he's out there, I am coached to him. I'm not dad. And we've had many conversations that the way you talk to me on the football field resonates to every other kid when they're looking at us. Totally. And if you talk to me in a way that you're talking to me as your dad, that's not going to fly. And he's had to learn how to talk to me when we're on the football field and we're not, and I've had to be patient with him. And other times I've had to get on him and make an example out of it. Uh And I, and I know that he can handle that uh from the way I've raised them, but it's not, it's not easy. No. And there've been definitely times where uh we haven't talked for a day and he's been so mad at me and I've had to go in there and apologize or I've had to talk to him and, and just remind him that, It comes down to this: like I don't. He he's got enough pressure as it is of who his dad is, and I just have to continue to remind him that I could care less what he plays or what he does. Right? I'm going to love him to the ends of time, regardless, and whether he decides to play football or wants to play football or he doesn't, I don't really care. Right? And and he's had to. uh, There have been some times where he's he's felt that. And and has had to I've had to pull him aside and let him know like there is no pressure at this age. Just go have fun. Live it up. You're you're twelve years old. Like stop worrying about all this other crap that is irrelevant, right? And it's hard for kids at this age. Uh I I say the same thing to my
0: kid. I say, hey, if you wanna do it, if you don't want to do it, no problem. I say this to all three of them. If you don't want to do it, no problem. You don't need to do this for me, you don't need to do this for mom. There's no expectations. It could be football. It could be ballet. It could be chess. I don't care. Find something you love. But if you tell me this is what you love and this is what you want to do, then we're going to do it right. I'm not going to sit there and watch you do things half ass. I'm not going to sit there and watch you do things that hurt your team. I'm not going to sit there and watch you do things that hurt yourself. If you truly want to pursue this, if you don't, then the expectations are significantly different. And we, and we tone down, we're just out there. Whatever happens, happens. We go for pizza. But like you sit there in bed at night and ask me, dad, I want to do this, dad. I want to get better at this, or I want to make this team, or I want to make this all-star game or whatever it is. All right. If you want to do that, I'll show you how to do it. You might not like it. You Mm -hmm. might, Mm -hmm. your eyes might open. You can't say you want something. Okay. I'm going to show you what wanting something means. Mm -hmm. It's sacrifice. It's hard it's going to be tough. You're going to be held accountable. You're going to fail. You're going to have to pick yourself back up. Cause if you want what you say you want, that's the path. The path is not hold your hand. And one day you wake up and you're on the varsity basketball team. That's that's not what happens, right? That's not the real world. So, but again, it's a, it's a struggle, right? And, and, and Michael Gervais, the, the sports psychologist that we, that I referenced earlier, he worked with us out my year in Seattle and he works with Olympians and whatnot he said, and and this really struck a chord with me. So I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, cause this was not a proud moment when he asked me like the car ride home. And he's like, how is the car ride home? And I'll be like, I'll be honest, doc. Like there's some, I'm much more conscious of it now, but there's some car rides home that when I go to bed at night, like I need to go up into the kid's room and be like, Hey, listen, I didn't handle that. Like I was too hard on Mm -hmm. you. I know I was mm-hmm. mad you didn't hustle or I didn't like that after you struck out, you slammed your bat or, you know, whatever it was, just know where I was coming from. Right. But I believe in attitude and the way you carry yourself is important, but I need to do a better job handling it. Like that car ride home, when you're the dad and the coach, there's an added pressure when your kids on the team and you're trying to hold everyone accountable. It's so like, what is your car ride home approach with your kids following a tough game? Whether it's a loss mm-hmm. or whether they struggled, or maybe my worst car rides home, or if my kid has a bad attitude, if my mm-hmm. son or daughter has a bad attitude or is a bad mm-hmm. teammate or doesn't hustle, those are the ones that bother me. So, like, what does that look like in your mind?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think it's different with each kid. Uh, that's so true. that's so true. That's so true. With Brooklyn, it's it's just support. It's just uh, kindness and love. And she's a very, she's an introvert. She's doesn't share her feelings very much, if at all. Uh, So I I just am support and I just want, I don't ever want her to look at me in a, in a light where it's negative. Right. So, so that's with her with gauge. I let him explain how he thought the game went and, and how he felt he did and then we'll we'll talk ball, we'll talk shop, and then I'll get into my opinion on on the, the what what it what I I saw from the coach's view, and then I always end with that I love him and that this doesn't change anything uh, from my standpoint of he's my son, but I get on him and I'm like I said earlier I I treat him. I, 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 I am I parent him and I coach him extremely hard and I'm very honest with him. My son can get he can twist and think and turn things around the way he sees the game and the w- and the way he sees how he did. And I have to be very honest with him and real and make him realize like that's not how it yeah. is. That's not <laughs> so that's not how you did. Like, listen, just because you did this and this and this, what about these other four plays that totally weren't so good? Totally. Right? And so but he has that confidence and, and and that type of stuff, which you don't want to take away, but you also want to be honest with him and, and, and realize, like, okay, just because you were, you went at bat and you got one hit, but you struck out twice doesn't mean that was a great day at the batting box, yeah, you know, right. in yeah. the box, right? right? No doubt. He's still, so, uh, you know, because he'd been in a slump, and he'd be like, yeah, I got out of my slump, I got one hit,
0: and then, well, what about your other what about two the at other bats? Two? I know. It's so, so true you know, it's, uh, but parenting different kids differently, I think is so important, right. To hear you recognize that because I think it's, I think you see a lot of times that parents say, all right, typically everyone follows the path of the oldest, especially if they're, you know, both boys or both girls or, you know, same gender, but it's so important. I think for people to hear you recognize the personality traits, the expectation level, the ability level, Mm -hmm. whatever the different categories are of each individual child, and then apply your both parenting and coaching to fit into those categories. One hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Because
0: I've had I've had
1: drawn out arguments, yelling when it was when it got to the point. I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, I don't to my world. I, don't, I don't even. It's it's it, we're not we're getting further apart. As dad and son, or dad and daughter. And then it just got to the point where it's, if it's basketball and baseball, I just, for my son, I just, I just support him. And if he wants to talk about how he did or how I can help him, I, I will let him lead that. I, Cause I don't, we've been in too many, too many arguments that it's just not worth it in the long run. Where football, it's a little bit different dynamic because I am his coach and I understand it, uh, yep. what's going on but it's, it's not easy. And, uh, but the better, if you better understand your each kid and how they react and how they handle adversity and how they handle disappointment, how they handle success, uh, gives you a better, uh, relationship of, of handling sports because sports is unique. It's not like school. It's not like doing your chores at home, right? It's, it's a whole different animal that, uh, you got to support and love, but also push and, and, uh, support and all these other, other things all wrapped in one. It's, 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 it's definitely uh, a
0: yeah. hard, you support, and then you push, right? They they yeah. got to know that any sort of criticism and any sort of feedback that might not be something they're comfortable hearing, especially for young kids, it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of support. And and like I said, exactly. before we, before we wrap up, like I would say our my biggest times where I've gotten on my kids and then I get on my oldest, my 10 year old boy is a little more Like me, personality wise, he's a little more competitive. He's got a little more something to him. Like, I I Mm -hmm. get on. It sounds very similar when you're talking about you and your son. Like, I'm I'm on him pretty good. My daughter, it's a very supportive role. She's nine. She's playing rec soccer. She's testing out volleyball. She's very sensitive. It's got to be like a very so. Tal, what'd you think about like? Did you hustle back on defense on that last one? Well, maybe Mm -hmm. not. Well, maybe I think next time, like. We got to make sure your coach knows that you're going to, but like, if it was my, you know, the way I talked to her versus her twin brother, TJ, like, again, just very different conversations. My biggest thing with my kids and then the kids that I coach is I'm never going to yell at you if a ground ball goes between your legs. I'm never going to yell at you if you drop a pass or, but if you're told to do something and you know, it's what you're supposed to do and you make the decision to do something else, or you're a bad Hmm. teammate, or you have a bad attitude, you slam your bat you throw your helmet, you, whatever you're, you don't, you don't look at your coach when he's correcting you. And I see you and you're looking and you're walking away with your back turned when your coach is coaching you, I will jump them so fast. That's the stuff to me that if we're going to get anything right in this whole youth sports experiment, we're going to get that part, right? And if, then eventually we'll teach you how to throw and catch and jump and dribble and kick with your left foot and your right foot. Like we'll get into all that, but all that stuff to me in my philosophy of youth sports is completely irrelevant. If it's not built on the foundation of the person, the qualities that we're looking to pull out of youth sports, that's the way I would build that pyramid. And it, it sounds very similar. So my, my last question to you, and I'm going to leave it with this. All right. So I'm a young coach out there. I'm listening to you think right now, because I want to get best practices of coaching culture, building a program. All right. So Eric Weddle, you're taking over this program. Give, you take over this program in 2023 give me like a template. Like what are your core philosophies? What does your calendar look like? What, you know, what is your training? Like, give me an idea. If I, I want to send my kid to your high school and this is your recruiting pitch that I, you're going to know, this is what the experience is going to be like for my ninth grade boy. I want to hear what it is on Eric Weddle's team.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're going to come in and our, our core values is, is very simple. We're going to, you're going to be honest. You're going to be accountable. You're going to treat women with respect. And you're, and we're not going to allow any drugs. And I, I would say alcohol, but we're talking about high school kids. But, uh, those are our four core values. And it's a we, not me attitude, right? It's, it's what can we do for the team? What, what can we do for the school? What can we do for, uh, the city? You know, uh, being, being leaders in the community, leading, being leaders in, in your high school. Well, I want people to look at, I want faculty, I want fellow students to look at, the football players as the ones that do it right, who are always on time, that are, re, that respect their teachers, respect their fellow classmates. Uh, and, and outside of, of what we expect on the field, I can, I'm going to get the very best out of you on the football field, right? The X's and O's will be better than anybody else, right? Uh, being able to teach and coach and inspire to be your very best version of yourself. Right. Whether that's, uh, leading the, the, the football team to a championship or 10 years down the road, those tough times and summer workouts, uh, that you worked in your individual group of a, a team building activity. Now you're leading a corporation and you, you, you revert back to those times of, of how tough it was, how hard it was and how you had to rely on your teammates and you had to lead by being a great example. Right. So. All those things mustered into one is basically what I would say and and how I will run my program. It's never about me. It's never about my coaches. It will always be about the player and what's best for the player and how do we get the very best, not just on the field, but off the field academically, how they act, how they treat people. That's the goal that four years after they're within my program, that they're better people going off to school, going off to college, going into the real world that they're going to make a difference and and that I had a hand in that in some way, shape or form that they're better off than they were when they, when they got into the program. All right. Sold. Send the scholarship offer,
0: <laughs> send the scholarship offer, get me a housing and, uh, and, and we'll, and we'll be out there. We'll be on San Diego in a couple of weeks. And, uh, but no, man, Hey, you've been called a lot, right? You've been called in your career. You've been an all American NFL, you know, all pro, Super Bowl champion I, I I just have a feeling from talking to you and knowing you as long as I have that the greatest label that will be on you will be as a parent and as a coach. I, I think you're going to make such an impact on these kids, and that's why I reached out to you to have this conversation. I just think for someone that's accomplished what you have, who had pretty much unlimited opportunities on their post playing days off of a Super Bowl to do whatever you want for you to choose now to go back and give your time, your experience, and perspective. And not only spend your time with your own four children, but also now with hundreds of other families, children and give up your time that you could otherwise just be diving into your own family and give up that time and sacrifice for others. I think says a lot about you. I think that's the beauty of being a high school coach. Again, I'm the son of one. I mean, there's no greater impact that you can have on kids lives at at a very, very vulnerable time. So, dude, this conversation was amazing. I cannot wait to follow how you guys do. We're going to have to after your first season, we're going to have to have you back on. And we're going to no do the before and after. No it, all right, man. First season. <laughs> what did you What did you think? What did you How was it? Expectations versus reality. But, um, dude, your perspective, yeah, your insight, your your you know, your credibility is just so great. We appreciate you joining us here on You Think, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best, buddy. Thanks, G. It's
1: always good to to see your face. Tell the family I said hello, and look forward to chatting it up again
0: soon, man. Look forward to it. I'll be in touch, man. I'll take I'll touch base right, here soon. All right, see you, buddy. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. I I just think you can see it in the, in the conversation. You can just see it kind of pour out. Weddle is one of the most passionate he's energetic. You can tell he's just truly made for this. I think the kids that play for him are going to really have four years that are going to change their lives and whether they all go on to play college football or college sports or professional sports is irrelevant. I think the impact that he's going to have and his ability to, to impact and change their lives for the better is just going to be remarkable. If if I had a kid living in the San Diego area and I could drop him off and know that Weddle was going to be coaching him for the next four years, man, I'd sign up for that any minute. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. All right. So as we say, we, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, we, every, every week we get, you know, DMS and messages on social and, and whatnot about you know, things that you guys are passionate about and questions that you might have and questions that you have for me or questions for the show that you ask us to go and kind of explore. So um, we have some really cool fan questions today. We're just going to take a couple of them. Um, The first one we have is what was the best part of having your dad as your high school football coach? So obviously you guys that are listening, you're well aware. I played for my father at Wayne Hills High School, um, which was a public school up in New Jersey. He coached for over 40 years, um, 30 at the high school that me and my two brothers went to. And, and I can honestly say it was, it was the best time of my life as far as playing sports. I mean, I was playing with my buddies. I was living out at the time a lifelong dream. You know, from the time I was a kid, I didn't dream about playing professional sports. I didn't dream about playing college sports. I really, when I was a young kid, being a ball boy on Friday nights for my dad and a water boy or whatever, all I dreamed about was being his senior quarterback or his senior running back or his senior linebacker. Like those were the kids I looked up to, you know, growing up in our town and being around the locker room and riding the buses. Like those were the kids that I idolized. And those were the players and the athletes that I aspired to be to. I would wear my, you know, my little pop Warner team. If the running back was number 22 and he was my dad's star running back that season, I wore number 22. You know, I can remember all these guys names, you know, like it was yesterday and it just, it just brings me back. And then playing for him, you know, it was hard he was really hard on us. He was tough love. He was demanding. And I wouldn't trade it for a minute. I I just feel like the lessons we got in high school, whether I turned out to be a professional athlete or not, just so well equipped me for life. You know, it equipped me for ups and downs and adversity and how to be strong and how to be tough and how to deal with things head on and not shy away from, from pressure and not shy away from the big moment. Those were all things that were, that were, you know, kind of instilled in us from an early age. And you know, being able to walk off the field. We had, my dad had lost like seven consecutive state championships. His team was always in the state championship, but they always, they had just never gotten over the hump and they just kept losing and losing and losing. And my senior year, we finally got over the hump. We played our rival Ramapo high school and uh, we were able to finally walk off. And I have the picture I shared it a couple weeks back on, on my social feed, you know, uh, walking off the field with my dad celebrating our first high school state championship, um, was a special moment for us. And then he went on to win like a million. My little brother, Kevin played in like four of them. So it was, uh, it was, it was a really cool moment. So that, that was definitely the highlight of of playing for him. The next question we have is my favorite non-football youth sports memory. Man, that's a good question. You know, I, I, I remember, and as I travel around the country now with my kids and playing youth sports, like, and everyone's like, man, why do you do it? Yes, you do it because you want to go out and play good competition. You want to go out and you want to play good teams, but you also want to spend the hotel and let the kids spend the night in the hotel with their buddies running around the hallway or sitting at the hibachi restaurant, having dinner together, riding on the bus to and from the games. Like there's something about being out of town and playing teams that you don't know in cities that you don't know and staying with your buddies in the hotels. Like there's something about that experience as a young kid that makes you feel like you're playing college ball or pro ball, right? You're almost like living out your dream at an early age. And when I think back, like we didn't travel for football, but we did travel a little bit in those days for baseball. We did travel in those days for basketball. And like, I, I remember going with my team every year, um, we, we would actually miss school and we would go down and play basketball. We'd go down to Florida in, in April and we play like a week long tournament. We play teams from all over the state of Florida and in these big tournaments. And, and, you know, we, we, I don't even think we ever won any of the tournaments. You know, some of the times we'd go down there and be a little outmatched, but to spend the week away from home with your friends, with their families, staying in hotels, going out for dinner, riding on the van. Like I still remember that stuff like it was yesterday. And, and, uh, there's nothing better than being a kid and being able to have those experiences. And that's why we try to give our kids those experiences now. My, my, my nine-year-old boy's team plays 95% of their tournaments locally here, but we're going to take them to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee in a couple of weeks and let him and his buddies feel what it's like to get out of Charlotte and go out and play for a little bit because those are all memories. When you talk to athletes, man, everybody remembers those travel those travel ball games. Um, And what was cool is it was non football related because football didn't really travel. So this next question is a little interesting. What is my favorite Kings of Leon song? And can you sing the chorus? Well, the answer to the second part is of course I can sing the chorus. The question is really, am I willing to sing the chorus? So my favorite Kings of Leon song is a song called fans. Um, It was off there because of the times album. I'm a huge Kings of Leon fan. Um, probably have never said that on this show before, but, uh, that's my, that's my jam. And can I sing it? I mean, everyone, I think, I don't know if anyone even knows the song, but like homegrown rock to the rhythm and bop to the beat of the radio. I mean, every, it's a unbelievable song about them, like standing in front of the crowd and like the energy, the crowd gives back to them during their shows and like pointing out different people in the audience and like what the vibes are back and forth with the audience and, uh, Man, it's a, it's a great song. So if you haven't heard it, check it out as always. Thank you guys so much. Uh, You think this has been such an incredible experience, the outpouring of support and the love that we've gotten for this show. And the amount of people that, that respond to us each week. And it's like, this is a show I've been looking for. This is a show of questions that I've been having, um, you know, makes us feel like we're really onto something. So again, thank you so much for always listening to us here at you think, Um, be sure to rate review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, Uh, check us out on social media at youth inc is our handle uh, send us your questions send us your reviews send us your thoughts on uh, on different things you'd like us to explore here on youth inc and uh as always we'll see you next week